Turn back to Romans, if you would, chapter 13. going to read from uh, verses 1 to 7, and we'll look at 1 to 4 in the sermon this morning, transition to a new topic here. Submission to the authorities is what the ESV has in it. We are talking about uh, submission to our governing authorities, how to do that, what that looks like. Hopefully, the sermon will bring some clarity to to that for you. But uh, I'm going to read first from 1 to 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant, he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath through the authority, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Reverence to whom reverence is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Thus far God's word. Let's let's pray together. Lord, I pray that as a result of being here today that we will better understand this text, that we will have a better idea of how to live in its light, how to honor you as well as the authorities you have put in place in our lives. Help us to trust you, rest in you, obey you, and glorify you over all. Help me to preach your word in the power of the Spirit, Lord, and help us to hear it as the very word of God in the power of the Spirit. Work in each heart with the word applied by the Spirit. We give you all the praise and trust you for it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, citizenship is, can be a controversial topic these days, right? Immigration, all that, not really talking about this this morning. But generally speaking, hopefully you walk in an awareness that you are all dual citizens. If you are a Christian, you are a dual citizen. What do I mean by that? Well, citizenship is a legal status that authorizes a person to be a full and functioning member of a social or political community along with all the rights and duties that come with it. Christians are citizens 
of earthly countries. But Christians are also citizens of Christ's heavenly kingdom. So how do we live that out? How do we honor and glorify the Lord in everything that we do? And how do we be in, underneath that? Be in subjection to the authority structures that He's put in our lives. Four, four steps, really. We recognize that the rule of God over all. We understand that earthly citizenship is important. We receive God's gracious gift of human government. But we never deny our heavenly citizenship to embrace our earthly citizenship. So there's a balance there, and we're going to talk about that. See, we've been studying the book of Romans for quite a while now. Uh, some kids have grown up since we started. No, we're not in a hurry. We're working through the book of Romans. But we've seen the gospel, the mercies of God put before us in chapters 1 through 11. And now we're looking in chapter 12 and following. Okay, since that is true, since the gospel is true, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and need a Savior... And since Christ is that Savior, and since salvation is through faith in Christ alone, and since the soul that God justifies, He also sanctifies and has empowered us for that by uniting us to Christ, and since this is all due to His sovereign grace, how should we respond to the mercies of God? We should be humble, living sacrifices and we've seen that in, in chapter 12. And now here's another responsibility of those who are in Christ Jesus is to know how to be properly subject to governing authority. So I, I, I titled this Good Citizenship Part 1, right? And then we'll, we'll do Part 2 next week. But the main point today is this. Since human government is God's institution, believers should make every effort to submit to their rulers. Since human government is God's institution, believers should make every effort to submit to their rulers. First, first human government is God's institution. So we're going to come back to the, to the first part of verse 1 um, in the second point. But look, at, look in, in verse, um, verse 1. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, government is God's idea. He, he is the one who put it in place. And we'll, we'll see why it's necessary. I mean, this is, you know, this is one of the lessons that Nebuchadnezzar learned about God's rule over earthly rule when he said the Most High rules over the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. He puts rulers in place. He's put government in place. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Notice God has appointed and those who resist incur judgment. God has appointed human government, and this verse assumes that the authorities, therefore, will represent God and represent true justice. Therefore, people will pay a price for breaking the law. They will incur judgment through the authority, which has its source in God, if we're violating what He has commanded us to do. But notice, government is God's institution. 
He's the one who put it in place at the end of verse 1. Verse 2, he appointed those rulers. Verse 3, look. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. So look, rulers are not against good conduct. Do what is good, and you will receive God's approval. And rightly speaking, underneath that, you will receive the approval of the governors. And then look in verse 4. For he... The earthly rulers. He is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. Notice that repetition. Servant, servant, servant. He is the servant of God. An avenger who carries out. Look at this. Who carries out God's wrath. On the wrongdoer. So earthly rulers are God's servant. For your good, they punish evil. So having, just looking through that list, and we're, we're gonna pour, we're gonna look at it a little bit, a little bit better here. Let's look at government's responsibility then. What is the responsibility of government? Being the servant of God, what is its responsibility? Number one, to submit to God. If we are God's servant, that means we, we have God for our king or ruler, and therefore we will submit to Him. Government has a duty to live out or flesh out being God's servant. Here's what I mean by that. Government, and you see it in the text because you read this text and you might think, yeah, I don't think that's how this is working. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. The, the, the government authorities have a responsibility to call good what God calls good and to call evil what God calls evil all according to God's standard which He has revealed in His Word, in His law. He has revealed justice. And so the government as God's servant is to execute justice. You saw that in the text, didn't you? Speaking Generally, in speaking, um, ideally, this is what the magistrate is to do. He is to call good what God calls good, call evil what God calls evil, all according to His Word. He is to execute justice as God defines it in His Word. So this is assuming God's meaning in this text for good and evil. We're to use God's definitions. We're going to come back in a minute. and Don't worry. But what are, what are the benefits of human government? Even, even flawed human government. There's some benefits, aren't there? Without it, there's no civil order. With good government, there's civil order. But without it, there's social chaos. See, we've seen some of this even today in places that have defunded the police, right? That have said the police were the problem. We don't need police. So you have people running in stores and running out with stuff and murders and all kind of things going on in some of the sanctuary cities. One of the guys, I mean, it's, it's sad. This is not good. 
but one of the men who was an activist for defunding the police in New York was just stabbed and killed in the streets. How'd that work out for you? But see, good government should promote civil order, should avoid social chaos. Why will things degenerate into chaos if there's not rule in, in, in government? Because of sin. And this country has turned so far from God that people are just doing what's right in their own eyes. And of course they will run in and steal and kill and do all these things. We have to have government to have civil order. And one of the benefits then for good government would be civil peace as well. Good law enforcement, God's law enforcement promotes civil peace. So I have a slide for you about what good government, this is just summarized, what good government should do. This is a description of good government. Good government rewards the good and punishes the evil. Rewards the good as God defines good and punishes the evil as God defines evil. But even countries that start out good and even forms of government that start out good, like in the United States, tend to decline. Tend to go into decline. And that decline is slow at first. One little step away from God's way of doing things through a order or a law. It's one little step. And step by step. And then near the end, it moves fast. It moves fast. Empires always decline to a state. Here, they always decline to a state where they call evil good and good evil. Countries decline to a state. The people decline to a state where they agree with that. And therefore, they incur God's judgment. And what did John Calvin say? When God wants to judge a nation, He gives them evil rulers. We have evil rulers today. How, do, how could you say that? Because we have rulers who are calling Good, evil, and evil, good. Who are even legislating evil in all its forms. Not just in one area. We obviously as a nation are under judgment because we have evil rulers. Why do we have evil rulers? Because we have run so hard and far from God that each person is doing right in his own eyes, pursuing evil that will be our natural bent and calling it good and rejecting the good and calling it evil. I mean, that's what I did before I came to Christ. It's what you did maybe if you came as an adult. God says this in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those. If, if, that's not like stopping a horse. Woe. This is judgment. This, you don't want to hear woe from God to you. It's not good news. Now, look at this. In Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
See, that's not how government is supposed to operate. It's supposed to be God's servant. God's servant who, who blesses the good as God defines it and curses or punishes the evil as God defines evil. But when nations decline, they start punishing the good and blessing the evil. And that's where we're at. And some other nations are farther down the road and we're going down that road. We're going down a road where it will be illegal to preach the gospel and on the streets. And they're already trying to do that in various ways. I, I shouldn't have to say this. America is not a Christian nation. America is a nation that has a lot of Christians in it. But it's not a Christian nation. And our goal is not primarily to restore America. It's to get the gospel out. But we live in a, in a society and we live in a world right now that is calling evil good and good evil. That is not being God's servant. And in fact, is being the devil's servant. We have a devil in the White House. I'm not saying anything about you if you voted for him. But you got tricked. You thought you were getting rid of a devil. And you put a worse one in there. Who is all for the slaughter of the innocent children and sexual degradation and all kinds of things. Who calls good evil and evil good. So here's a picture of evil government. You'll notice it flips. Evil government. Three, two, one. Evil government punishes good and rewards evil. That's the direction which decline goes apart from God sustaining and apart from revivals and, and things like that. So government is God's institution and therefore believers should strive to submit to it. Point number two, believers should make. Now watch, I'm saying make every effort to submit to it. And we're going to talk a little bit more and explain that a little bit more. But Peter brings up some of these same things in, in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Be subject for the Lord to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who, who do good. So notice even Peter is talking about the human institutions, the governments and the way they're supposed to be. What they're supposed to do is punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And so we are to strive to be in subjection to the government as best as we can. Look back in Romans 13, the very first part of verse 1. Let every person, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for the Lord's sake. So as the state, as the governors... I started to say we don't have an emperor, but we're moving more in that direction. <laughs> as the state, now here, listen to me. As the state promotes and protects the good as God defines it, we have a responsibility to obey. It is our duty to support good government, to defend it, to submit to it. But, if it is evil government, our duty is to resist it. 
Our duty is to resist it. When the state tries to become God, we must oppose it, even if it costs us. Even if it costs us our life. Tyrants always seek to replace God. And His law with their law. And a tyrant will come to a passage like this and conveniently use it. All you Christians, you're supposed to line up. But see, if you read this passage carefully, if you read Peter carefully, it says that rulers are not a terror to good conduct. That's the way it's supposed to be. We should be blessed if we do what is good. Rulers are supposed to be God's servant that that punish wrong and that bless good as God defines it. But when that flips, we have a responsibility to not obey government. If the government was to make a law that you must abort every male child that you conceived, would you follow it? Would you be justified in not following it? I hope y'all come on. Yes. We are never to break God's law in order to keep man's law. Ever, never, ever. We have a responsibility to submit to good government, but to, in a godly way, and I said a godly way, in a godly way to resist evil government. We cannot break God's law to keep man's law. We must not. We must go to jail instead. We must die instead. Whatever it takes. Here are some examples. Think about the Hebrew midwives in Egypt, right? The edict was what? Kill the male children. Because the, the, the ruler, he was afraid that the Israelites were going to raise up and rise up and take, you know, break out of slavery. The Hebrew midwives, it says that they did not do that. Why? Because they feared God. So they didn't submit to government because government was evil and God praised them for it. It was fearing God to disobey the ruler. Because the ruler was commanding them to disobey God. Now, you've got to be sure you can be clear about that and you're not just putting forth your preferences and baptizing them. That's why we need to know the commandments of God. We need to know the law of God. We need to know what justice is so that we know when it's being enforced and when it's not being enforced. But the Hebrew midwives knew. No matter what this dude said, we're not killing these kids. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Anybody confident I'm saying that right? I'm not. When they were commanded, when the music played, to bow down to the idol. Worship the false god. They were, the, the governing authority told them to do that. So they had to submit, right? No. This is what, this is what they said. And this is them responding to the, to the proposed death penalty if they didn't do that. They said this in 17 and 18 of Daniel. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from burn, the burning, fiery furnace. And praise God, He did. He didn't have to. You can go read the story. 
It says, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, either rescuing us or through death. But he's going to deliver us out of your hand. But if, now look at this, they are speaking to the king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And they were godly for doing that. Because the king was commanding them to violate God's law. And they said, nope. We'll not. Come what may, we'll not. We'll not do that. And there are many, many other examples. Let me just jump to the New Testament in Acts 4. So the gospel is being preached by the apostles and the, 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 the governing authorities are getting stirred up and not liking it. And they call them before the Sanhedrin and they threaten them and, and all of those things. Go read the story. In Acts four eighteen to 20, it says this. So they called them, they called the apostles before them and chart. Look what they're commanding them. This is the governing authorities here. Charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus commanded them to do? Preach the gospel to every creature. So at this point, they have a choice, don't they? They can submit to God or they can submit to evil rulers. Look, look what they did. Peter and John answered them. I love this. I love the boldness. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, no. We will continue to preach the gospel. We can't help but preach the gospel. Why? Because our Lord has commanded us to and is at work in and through us to do so. And we have bigger sight than your little puny rule. We have a, a God who's going to bring a people to his throne from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he's commanded us to go preach the gospel. By the way, what is the gospel that they were getting in so much trouble for preaching? Be good, do good, keep the law, and you'll be all right with God. Is that it? No, it's not. All we need is love. <laughs> Just love one another. That's, that's the law. Y'all know that, right? The summary of the law is love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's where we have failed. That's the bad news. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us has kept His commandments in thought, word, and deed. We all deserve condemnation by God. We cannot go before a holy God in our sinful state and be anything but judged. That's why Christ came. Christ came and was born under His own law and lived in perfect fulfillment to all righteousness. He never sinned in thought, word, or deed. He was the perfect, spotless, unblemished Lamb of God. Fulfillment of all those old covenant pictures. He deserved blessing and life and not cursing, but yet our sin was imputed to Him. He took our condemnation upon Himself. That's what it means when it says He died for our sins. He was the Lamb of God, pictured by all those old covenant sacrifices that directed the wrath of God due us onto Himself and drank that cup dry. Such that He said it is finished before He left the cross. 
He went through the grave. He didn't just go into the grave. He went through the grave. And the third day he was raised from the grave and nobody ever ever since has been able to prove it untrue. You know why? Because it's true. He was raised, he ascended, and he's reigning. And he's reigning not to make us comfortable to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth and he's coming again someday. Are you ready to stand before a holy God in judgment? There's only one way. And that's to be hidden in the Lamb of God. How do I get hidden in the Lamb of God? United to Christ. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Through faith. And faith alone. God loved the world in this way that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. He has sacrificed His Son. And the Acts chapter 17. And He commands, therefore, all people everywhere to repent, to change their mind from running against, away from God and to sin, to turning in grief and hatred of sin and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you trusting in Christ this morning? If so, you're a child of God. That's the gospel they were preaching. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. He was raised the third day. And salvation is through faith in Him. Trust in Him. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So You see, the apostles were getting in trouble for preaching that. And more and more in this country, we're going to get in trouble for preaching that. So, For some reason, we have this culture now where people think they have a right to not be offended. And that the most important thing is their safety. So people are going to be offended when we preach the gospel. And there are going to be laws against that. And we're going to have to stand like they did and say, listen, you decide whether it's right to obey God or you. God's told us to go. We're going. You can lock us up, but the gospel's still going to go. You can kill us, but it's still going to go. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So examples from Old Testament and New Testament. How about modern day examples? How about closed countries who forbid Bibles and forbid witness? Do we just write them off? Why do we not write them off? Because Christ has commanded us to go to them. Make disciples of all the open nations, He said. All nations. Why? Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go. So I can sneak Bibles into a closed country and not be sinning. I'll be violating the, the, the governor ordinance. I can go to a closed country and witness the gospel and not be sinning. Because I'm obeying the king of kings. And when the choice is between obeying the king of kings and obeying the earthly king, we must obey the king of kings. How about teachers today? I feel for you. It's a hard day to be a teacher. There's a lot of mess coming into the public schools these days and a lot of mandates. And it's a tough time to be a teacher. But you must not support wickedness that opposes the word of God, even if it costs you your job. I know of some Christian schools that could use some good teachers, so if you need direction. We must trust and obey God and let Him decide what to do with our job, just like the Hebrew midwives and everybody else. 
How about churches? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. How about when the government says you can no longer assemble together? Will we assemble? Yes, we will. When COVID hit, listen, none of us knew what we were dealing with. We were willing to take a a brief pause to see what we were dealing with. But even when we took that pause, we said, this can't endure. Spiritual health is way more valuable than physical health. And besides, God commands us to worship. And one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had is preaching to that camera with nobody in here. Except Mike. Mike would walk around back there so I could look like I was looking at somebody. I hope I never have to do that again. But if the government tries to tell us to disobey God in that way, we're going to have to tell the government no. And, you know, there was a time when we started back meeting even when we shouldn't. For that reason. We learned a lot of lessons going through that, too. And hopefully we did as a body learned a lot of lessons about how to walk with unity through stuff like that. But if the government tries to close your churches, you must resist. God commands us to meet, so we meet. Be wise but faithful to God. I mean, what did they say in Acts 5? The same apostles. We said this, we must obey God rather than men. So we have every responsibility under the earth and in Christ to do. I'll just read Peter from 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Be subject to, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to the emperor as supreme or to governor sent by him, to who are sent to as his servants, his ministers, to punish those who do evil and praise those to, who do good. So to the extent that government is punishing evil and praising good, we are to line up under it. But to the extent that is punishing good and praising evil, we are to resist it. And we better resist it. And we better speak up. When it happens. So that is how I'm explaining your responsibility under Romans 13, 1 to 4. Is to be subject to the governing authorities when they are acting as God's servant and minister. And legislating the good and defending the good and honoring the good and punishing the evil. You line up under that. When the magistrate tries to bake himself God and commands you to violate God's commandments, you must deny him. You are not to submit to that. Just like we saw in just brief examples throughout, throughout the, um, the Bible. So how do we wrap this up? What's some application we can do? Well, just a few things. Number one, we don't need to be unduly antagonistic to government either in our speech or our actions. We need to be careful how we speak of earthly rulers. We do. This will help you with that. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Look at what Paul says, the same writer. He says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Verse 2. For kings and all who are in high positions, what's the purpose? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly 
and dignified in every way. So it will help us to be praying for our government leaders. And we should be praying for them. One of the things we should be praying for them is that they would come to faith. That they would repent of their sin. That they would stop supporting evil to the extent that they are and turn and support the good. That probably is not happening without conversion. So it's a big prayer. But we, if we're praying for people, we, 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 our heart should be one of compassion to them as well as to other lost people in that we want them to see their sin and the error of their ways and turn and trust in Jesus. So be praying for the president and on down under, under him. And then secondly, pray for and work for good government. Vote for, to the extent that our votes matter anymore. If they keep harvesting them out of trash cans all over the place, they matter less and less. Okay, that's wicked. But you don't have control over that. So just you vote for good people. And when I mean good people, I'm those who are for honoring the good and punishing the evil. Good as God would define good. So pray for and work for good government. Be a good citizen and vote. Even if you think your vote is worthless, you go cast your vote and encourage others to do so. Number three, obey the law as much as possible. Even when it's inconvenient, if it's a good law, if it's not an evil law and supporting evil. Obey the law as much as possible. Submit to good government. It honors it, 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 those that honor good and punish evil. So we do have a command here to submit to governing authorities, but we have some direction on what that looks like. And we have many examples in the Bible on what that looks like. Here's another one. Never hope in government. Never hope in government. Why do you think so many people who don't understand what it really is, are in favor of socialism these days. Handouts. Get Just give me stuff. If you'll just give me... And government knows if they'll give you some stuff, they can control you. You don't deserve for anybody to give you anything. Get a job. You heard me. Get a job. And listen, young people, you don't get a job and start at the top. Start at the bottom and work your way up to the top by being diligent and hardworking. Parents, inculcate in your children a work ethic. Don't be giving them everything for nothing. I'm getting in trouble with the kids again, aren't I? This is true. Never hope in government. Don't just sit back. Now, listen, some people are, have needs and can't work, and I'm, I'm not saying that. They need to be helped. But if you... If you can work and you won't work, you know what the Bible says? If you won't work, you shall not eat. Get off your duff and go to work. It's a great day to go get a job because nobody wants to work. You can get a great job if you're just willing to be there and be faithful. You don't honor God by being lazy and hoping in government and wanting somebody to give you something. Never hope in government. Hope in the Lord and seek to honor Him in all that you do. And remember when we talked about the Sabbath command. Six days work. 
one day rest in worship. Don't let the government take you captive by giving you stuff. Because they will. And they expect you to toe the line. Number five, just very general, do not violate God's word in order to please or obey wicked rulers. And you better be sound on the gospel because the day's going to come when that's going to be a hard choice. Might cost you your life. Live as Christ to die as gain. Crown my head or cut it off. I win, not because I'm good, but because he is. Be faithful to him no matter what. That's what you see in the Bible, isn't it? Do not violate God's law, God's word, in order to please or obey wicked rulers. When man's law contradicts God's law, you must obey God. Heavenly citizenship gets priority. So never forget, your primary citizenship is in heaven. You have been bought with a price. You're not your own. Christ has bought you for himself. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And we are to honor and glorify him and everything. And to the extent that we can honor and glorify him and submit to earthly government, we are to do that. And to the extent they call us to, on us to violate honoring and glorifying Christ, we cannot do that. So never forget, your primary citizenship is in heaven. Your primary ruler is in Christ. Seek to honor him in all that you do. And under that, obey earthly rulers as much as possible without dishonoring Christ. He will be glorified and you will be a good citizen of both heaven and earth. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to pray for revival as well. I pray that the gospel would sweep through this nation, would sweep through the halls of government so that hearts would be turned toward you. And I pray that government could be turned back to being a faithful servant or magistrate under you that supports the good and punishes the evil. That's not the day we live in. So help us to have the courage, conviction, and wisdom to know when that is right. But when government asks us to dishonor you, give us the grace to say no. Don't let us take handouts and be cajoled into saying yes to wickedness. Lord Jesus, you have authority, all authority in heaven and earth. You are our king. Help us to live like it. And again, I pray for a restoration of good government, both in America and around the world, starting from the grassroots, but starting in your church. Send revival, Lord. Renewal. But no matter what is your will, work faithfulness in us and a faithfulness we need to grow in to boldly and joyfully open our mouths for you and be gospel witnesses in this dark world in which we live. So bless us, Lord, to honor you and to the extent we can to honor our rulers. To live for eternity with the privilege of being used by you. 
Thank you for the promise that someday, as we saw in the psalm, that all the world will worship you. That they will be a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. Redeemed. Living together in harmony. Under the King of Kings. In the new heavens and new earth forever. We're not there yet. Help us to sacrifice. To be a part of bringing those people to you. So grant us faithfulness, Lord. As you define it. The power of your spirit to walk in it. And the hope of the gospel with our eyes fixed on Christ. It's in Jesus' holy